welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. Next up on the ABCA podcast is National Player Development Director for Baseball Australia, Andrew Riddle. Andrew grew up in Sydney, Australia and picked up the game of baseball at 14 years old following his dad and grandfather's footsteps. He fulfilled his dream of playing in the U.S. by cold emailing 200 schools in the States. He ended up at Dodge City Community College and finished his undergrad and master's at Nebraska Kearney. He interned with USA Baseball after college, working with the top 80 18U players in the U.S. Andrew has been charged with starting the National Player Development Program in Australia. He's overseeing the development and transition of their players from 16U to their pathway to college. In this episode, we discuss Andrew's time in the U.S., how they're setting up their National Player Development Program, preparing for the 2028 Los Angeles Olympics, how they're helping their players get to colleges in the U.S., and Baseball Australia's partnerships with ABCA, Blast, and Driveline. Let's welcome Andrew Riddle to the podcast. Here with Andrew Riddle, National Player Development Manager for Baseball Australia, played in the States, Dodge City Community College, and then Nebraska Kearney. So Andrew, thanks for jumping on with me. Thanks for having me. It's a, it's a real honor to be on here. You know, talk about your path in the game for somebody that that doesn't know who you are. Yeah, um, obviously, growing up in Sydney, Australia, I was a long way away from collegiate baseball and and um, I guess even professional baseball. So um, when I got to kind of be in a junior and senior in high school, I knew I wanted to keep playing. Um, probably didn't have the talent level to sign professionally out of high school. So um, the next best thing for me was to try and see what the avenues looked like collegiately. Um, I sent out over over 200. Uh, emails with with YouTube clips that I'd filmed from Australia. Um, obviously, back then this was 2012. There wasn't really any recruiting services um, or anybody with really contacts that deep in the collegiate scene over there. So I kind of did it all myself. Um, from that, I ended up, like you said, at Dodge City Community College, um, which Sydney, Australia, is a long way from Dodge City, Kansas. Um, and that was a that was a real culture shock for me um, as an 18 year old being on the opposite side of the world to, to mom and dad and to my family. Um, and also being in Dodge city, Kansas, it was a, it was a huge change. So, um, obviously you grow up really quickly, um, when, when that kind of thing happens to you. So spent two years there, um, ended up loving the Midwest. Um, I think it was more the people than, than the weather and the other negative side of it. Um, but the, the people there were lovely. So, Ended up loving my two years there um, as a sophomore. Made it to the Junior College World Series, which was a, a huge thrill from somebody from Australia to be able to get there. Um, from that, I think obviously the the options opened up to go to university, and I just grew to love the Midwest so much that when the offer came from Nebraska, um, I took it. So um, ended up there for for three years um, with the shoulder reconstruction thrown in there. Um, Obviously, then graduated university and um, actually decided to stay at the same college in Nebraska and get my master's. Um, I guess that's where my administration career kind of took its turn. Um, I kind of, after my shoulder reconstruction, went down the next path of what's, what can I do now. So I um, was lucky enough to get an internship with USA Baseball um, while I was doing my master's. 
um, and was was a coordinator with their prospect development pipeline, um, which again was a great thrill. Got to go up to the Cape and, and kind of run athletic assessments on those top guys and then actually got to live at IMG Academy for a month and um, run the data side and I guess off the field, living in with the guys at the prospect development pipeline league, um, which was actually in its first year then at IMG. So um Obviously, the, the talent level of the top 80 kids in the U.S. that are, that are trying to make the I-18U World Cup team um, was nothing like I'd ever seen before at that age. Um, obviously, seeing them all get drafted last year was, was a huge thrill also. Seeing them um, dominate, dominate some, college, some college conferences um, at the moment as freshmen, um, again, huge thrill. Um, so for me, I kind of obviously made the best of, of my playing career and what, what that was. But I guess I then kind of um, tried to stay over there for as long as I can in the administration side of things. And then after graduating, obviously everything happened in the world and we went through a pandemic. So um, the opportunity came up to be able to come home um, and to kind of, I guess, lead the, lead the takeover um, that baseball started in Australia with, with the Australian Institute of Sport actually um, funding the sport now that it was back in the Olympics. Um, so it opened up some funding, obviously, but also gave us the ability to really target some of our younger players and help them through the pathway um, to be able to get to either college or recently um, with the large number of guys that we have signing professionally. Um, I guess that's now my role is to lead them through that path and, and find their, their own way back to the U.S. Um, and set up their own careers. All right. I want to back up because there's a lot to unpack there. Um, and so I, I want to back up. You said you, the stuff you sent me, you picked up the game at 14, you know, which kind of goes in the face of anybody that says, hey, you got to start early and you got to play long. Mm -hmm. How did you get introduced to the game at 14? Yeah, so I think um, being in Australia in a different culture, we're taught at a young age to play multiple sports. Um, everybody, everybody plays multiple sports throughout their whole childhood. Um, and I would say that not many Australian athletes really target a specific sport until they get older, into their teenage years. Um, so I was, a, I was a tennis player, a soccer player, a swimmer, a rugby player, you name it, I tried it when I was growing up. Um, at about 13, 14, I was... Um, giving up tennis. I'd, I'd had enough of playing tennis and my dad was actually going back to play baseball that year um, and said, Hey, do you want to come and play? So um, for me, I, I, how did that, your dad, how did your dad get introduced to the game? Yeah. So my uh, grandfather had actually started a baseball club in Australia um, when back, back obviously decades now. Um, and then when I was growing up, my dad had stopped playing. Um, obviously, I was getting to an older age now, so he was going back to start playing again. Um, and that was my first, um, I guess, introduction to baseball in Australia. Which isn't any different than over here in the States with a, a family member probably introducing along mm -hmm. the way. Now, what about test cricket? I mean, that's I, I saw the docuseries on, on the test, and I'm a huge Jeremy Langer fan. Um, you know, is that something? Because, again, I've never been to Australia. Where does that fall in line? You know, where does baseball maybe fall in line with some of the other sports that are going on in Australia right now? And is maybe that what you're battling at the younger ages is kids filtering into some other sports? Yeah, absolutely. Probably our biggest biggest um, issue that we it's the same face. thing here, um, though. By the way, we we battle football and basketball with our our younger kids and a little bit of right, so, soccer. Yeah, exactly. So I would say um, baseball in the country is probably twelfth to fifteenth in the country. Um, obviously, like you said, cricket obviously being the main bat and ball sport. So a lot of the athletes that have that may have good hand eye coordination or may be able to throw a little bit or um, swing a bat a little bit, pick up a cricket bat when they're younger because obviously that's what's on TV in Australia. So we do lose a lot of athletes to them. And then, like you said, it's the same kind of thing, losing athletes to different sports. Our sports are just a little bit different. Obviously, we lose a lot to rugby, um, Australian rules, football, um, soccer, swimming, tennis, all the big sports that Australia is good at is obviously what's played on TV and what they grow up with. Yeah. 
But again, you found passion and love for the game just like the, the rest of us did. So there are going to be kids out there that are going to gravitate to baseball because they're going to have more fun playing baseball and, and they're going to be good at it. Um, you know, how are you identifying those kids right now? I'll kind of jump ahead there to what you're doing right now. How are you identifying those younger kids that maybe are going to be good at baseball? Yeah, I think um, at the moment, our kind of advantage, I would say, that we do have is we have direct access to all of the Little League championships in the U.S. So instead of going through qualifying events, Australia sends a team each year, as you would have seen for the Little League World Series and things like that. Um, So at a young age, and actually some of the success that we've had recently at that tournament, we are able to identify some talent at a young age. They then filter into Junior League, um, 16U, and then up to Senior League before they get to the 18U World Cup age group. So I would say Little League is probably the identifying age that separates some athletes. Um, like you said, a lot of them, it is a second-generation or third-generation sport that's been passed down from their family. So um, that's a lot of the population size that we do have. Um and I think we do get, we do manage to steal some players from cricket due to, like you said, test cricket being five days long. So yeah, that's a long thing. Around. Like that, that was the impressive part for me. I, I don't think I, I, I'm just impressed that they would invest five straight days, the concentration, mm-hmm. the focus piece. Um, I probably would have not done very well in a test cricket situation. That's a little lengthy for for me and the playing. I would have much rather played a, a seven or nine inning game and get in and get out rather than five days. But I am impressed by the fact that they're going to spend five straight days playing in, in some yeah, heat. It looks like those, heat, too, in some hot, hot weather. That's exactly right. And I mean, playing cricket in the summer, being, with it being a summer sport, it's 100 degrees every day in Australia. And as a junior athlete, the way that the cricket's set up over here is is you play Saturday, Sunday, you bat one day, your team bats one day. The next day, your team is in the field. And I mean, you're in the field nine to five in 100 plus degrees. So I played one year of it and I said, I'm out. I'll never go back. Um, I needed something obviously more to get involved and um, more interaction. So yeah, I did did my one year of cricket and then passed on that and, and ended up with baseball. You handled the recruiting process your entire yourself. Um, talk about that a little bit. I mean, like, bet, you had to bet on yourself. You're, you're trying to contact a, a different part of the world. You're reaching out to people. Talk a little bit about betting on yourself and, and knowing that you're going to be able to do it. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes from the experiences that I had in the U.S. Obviously, some of the contacts that I have in the U.S. and the Midwest are coaches that I personally had, coaches I played against, coaches um, that, that, that saw – I guess, my name throughout their conferences. Um, obviously, playing in the Jayhawk in junior college and then playing in the MIAA, they were too decent college baseball-wise. So when you send an email now or I try and contact them, you can kind of say, oh, by the way, I played in this conference, so I know what it takes to get to that level. So then when I'm referring players on, you can kind of go off the experiences that I've had um, and have been able to go through that way. And I think, yeah, the other the other coaches that I've been able to go to contact base with um, some of them were from working with USA Baseball um, obviously the communication that I and contacts that I have with them that they're then able to outsource um, I think in this role I mean I went through the process myself as an 18 year old I cold cold called essentially 200 yeah coaches. how did you get connected with Dodge City yeah it was 200 emails I think I had about nine or ten responses um, that liked a random YouTube clips like they get filtered in hundreds a day. Um, and from there I was able enough to get a scholarship to Dodge city. So instead of these kids in Australia now having to do that themselves, it obviously looks a little bit better with an email signature from baseball Australia on it. Um, so even if it's sending their clips and video footage and now all the data that we have access to, even if it's sending that across with an email signature on it, it's going to get a lot more looks as Baseball Australia than it is as an individual kid. So, um, yes, it's contact-based that I've been able to build up, but a lot of it is trying to reach out to new coaches um, that haven't seen any Australian players yet that are a completely different recruiting pool than to what they may have locally. Um, and also, some of these coaches are getting really quality, high-level players, and they're not competing with anybody for scholarship offers or anything like that. So um, it's funny because once we do set up a connection and they get one or two players, they're the first now to contact us to get more. So, And that was our um, first conversation that we had because Mitch Ellis played for me at Western Illinois, who was a phenomenal player for us. And 
You know, you saw more on the junior college circuit, but there was never a time where I, I saw an Australian player where I was like, he doesn't belong. It was always like, okay, they're one of the best guys on the field. Um, hey, back up a little bit. I, how's that conversation go with your mom and dad that, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna go, you know, a million miles away and, and play college in America. How does that conversation go with your mom and dad? Are they all on board with it or was there some hesitation on their part too? Yeah, no. Um, I think obviously, obviously, my mother probably had a reservation at the start. Um, obviously, being the oldest child and getting sent overseas, um, so there was a little bit of reservations at the start. But they're obviously very supportive of what I was doing and being able to chase what my dream was at that point to play in in the major league. So um, I kind of said, "This is what I want to do." Um, the way that it's set up over here is, is that we graduate high school in the November and then we don't go until the next fall in the August. So I said to them, Hey, I want to go to the U S once I graduate, um, high school over here, I went and got a full-time job straight away. I saved up money as much as I can for those nine months in that, in that bridge. So, um, obviously that the finance plays a huge part of it. We're, we're up for the flight costs. We're up for the international student fees. We're up for all the additional costs on top of being a normal college student so um the finance is probably the biggest part that we have is that the biggest challenge i was going to ask you is that the biggest challenge for players coming over here is the financial piece and being able to afford the the upfront costs of getting here yeah exactly and trying to explain to them that hey you have to pay the tuition and the credit hours you also have to pay the international student fees you also have to pay the health insurance you also have to pay the flights you also have to if you want to get a car you have to buy that plus yeah so there, there's a lot of different steps that go into it. Um, so that's obviously a huge part of it. Um, and I think being able to come back and really communicate with, with our players who probably think it's all about baseball and not about the academics around how important that it is. Um, we have recently just had two guys, one commit to Stanford, one commit to Oregon State that will go this August and next August who are on huge academic scholarships. And without them, they probably wouldn't be at those huge Division One programs out of high school. Um, un- amazing, amazing talent. Well, because the, the, um, the older Spence pitched at Arizona State, right? And the younger one's playing shortstop at Tennessee right now, correct? Yeah, correct. So, so Josh is actually a big influence for us at the moment. He's actually coming in to be one of the pitching coaches for our 18U camp that we have starting next week. Um, Josh obviously went to Central Arizona. Um, was dominant there, went to Arizona, dominated there, Arizona State, um, and then he went on to pitch in the big leagues. His younger brother has the same kind of path, went to Central Arizona for two years, transferred to Tennessee, um, and is now obviously in a starting spot there, hitting 380 at the moment um, in the SEC. So They just the had a great level, weekend. They just swept LSU yeah. this past weekend. They had a great weekend. Hey, ha- talk about Grand Junction. You know, I, I, not that many people have been able to get to Grand Junction for the Junior College World Series, but talk about your experience there. It's phenomenal out there. Yeah, it's amazing. Obviously, the anticipation and the buildup of it is, is all part of it, too. So for us, it was the first time that our school had ever made it to the Junior College World Series. Um, it was the single best year we, that we'd ever had as a program. So for us, the buildup and the anticipation of sitting on a 12-hour bus trip through the mountains in the Grand Junction, Colorado, was all part of it. And then, you know what I mean, we, we get off the bus and we have primetime games Saturday night against Northwest Florida State, who has 10 guys signed Division One. Um, so we, we, we played against them on the first night and the crowd there with those guys that had traveled really well was something that I had never experienced before. Um, but even, even some of our guys that maybe were country Kansas kids, um, that, that had walked on to a small program in Dodge City. We're now up against, you know what I mean, D1, 95-mile-an-hour arms from Northwest Florida State. So um, we were kind of we were up against it from the get from the start. But the atmosphere, um, obviously, in Grand Junction is, is the best junior college baseball that you'll see. Um, and then I think the getting the chance on day three, we got to play against Sanjak. Um, obviously, the guys that they were rolling out, um, was a was a huge step up also again from from what we had seen. So I think looking back on it now and realizing the programs we were up against um, kind of made the whole experience as well. Um, That's a funky bracket and, too. And That's a 10, 10 team tournament bracket, which you don't ever see a, a ten team tournament bracket. So how it all lays out um, 
is amazing. Um, and your guy, the Jayhawk Conference is a huge conference. Um, you know, for you guys to be able to get through all of that and get there, that's a tough deal, man, because you got to go through a lot of teams to, to get to Grand Junction there out of the Jayhawk Conference. Yeah, exactly. Some really good teams that are in there, Cali County, Neosho County, some really good teams. Um, that, that are always good every year and move guys on to Division One programs um, five, ten each year. Um, yeah, we were we were obviously up against it, but um, you 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 would know best the the locker room the locker room and the connections that you build with your teammates and having each other's back played a lot into that year. We probably didn't have the most talent level, but um, we were definitely the most connected team there. And then you get to Kearney. So talk a little bit about the differences for you uh, playing at a two-year school and then a four-year school. And Kearney, for those that don't know, Joba Chamberlain was a, a freshman at Kearney before he transferred to Nebraska back in the old days. So that was a little bit – I guess he's not an alum of Kearney, but he did start his career path at Kearney before he transferred to Nebraska. Yeah, I'll tell you what. We'll definitely claim him. So um, <laughs> he, he that's, that's, that's where he started and every day – Every day we showed up at Joven Chamberlain facility, so we'll, we'll claim him because he's got the he's got the facility named after him. So um, that was our indoor center, and he would come back every year for the for the before season banquet that we would have in the spring and things like that. So um, yeah, obviously, Carney again in the in the Midwest, thirty thousand people. Um, cannot say enough good things about the people there, um, and and the I guess relationships I got to build while I was there. I ended up being there for five years. Obviously, that says a lot from a kid from Australia to go through the winters that they have just to be there with those people. Um, yeah, I think being in the MIAA Division Two, um, a really good conference in Division Two level. Um, obviously, Central Missouri is is probably the powerhouse in that conference. So. Um, yeah, getting the ability to go up against some guys. Um, I clicked on a spring training game the other guy the other day. One of the starters for the Pirates was a guy that we pitched, played against at Lindenwood. So it was um, it was it was a high level again. Um, and yeah, I loved every every second that I was there. And then obviously they went through um, financial issues and had to cut the program, which was obviously really sad. Um, but I'll, I guess I'll always have the, the ability to say that I was, I was the last class to come through at, at UNK as a baseball team. How'd you bang your shoulder up? Uh, probably trying to lift too much in the gym, to be honest. Was it? Yep. Yeah, it was just uh, overuse from throwing and probably trying to get big and strong to throw harder. And, um, yeah, probably just had enough. And I think from overuse from being a swimmer and a tennis, there was a lot of overhead use. So. Yeah, it's just a matter of time usually in that area for some guys who yeah. are you modeling the national player development program after so are you modeling it at, at, on a baseball side or are there other sports that you're modeling the program after uh i think we we, we go into camp um this saturday so we we at the, each start of each year in january we have a national championships so each state picks the top 25 guys from each state we all come together and they play against each other for a week. Um, that's where we really see the, the top guys around the country. From that, we then select 60 as a national body. And that 60 comes into our camp, which we go into on Saturday. Um, they will that Those 60 will be split up into three teams of 20. Um, in the morning, they will play. They will do a lot of instructional work, individual defense, cage work, team defense. Um, and then in the afternoons, they'll play, they'll play a game against each other. Um, so I'll be honest with you, a lot of that scheduling and, um, I guess the setup of it is the same that I did with USA baseball with the 18U, um, squad at IMG. So, um, they would have, they had their sessions in the morning. They would work individually, take batting practice, play games in the afternoon. Well, we're, I'm basing that, uh, and our program the exact same, um, how many people have a say so, so, so that final team, how many people have a say so and who makes that final team? Yeah, so my, my, myself and, and my boss, who's the general manager of Pathways, um, and then each state has what we call a high-performance manager who runs the baseball program in that state. They will also be a part of that, that selection committee, and they will be present at the camp. Um, and then we're very fortunate that we have the Australian Baseball League um, out here, and some of those coaches will also be attending the camp, the 18U camp. Um, along, along with all of that, I guess, input plus the professional scouts that are based in Australia and Australasia that fly in for it. Um, obviously, their, their import we take as well. 
um, and, and the coaching staff's, the coaching staff's input. Five years from now, if you look up, what, what would you guys consider as a success with the National Player Development Program? Um, five years, give me seven years. And when we beat, when we beat, the, when we beat you guys in the, at the Olympics in L.A. Um, for a gold medal, call me in 2028, and then I'll let you know that that's what we've been planning for for the last 10 years. Oh, I love it. I love it. What are some other things that you learned with the US base, USA Baseball um, in your time with them? What were some other things that you picked up? Besides the talent. Um, I, I mean, I, that, that was always a thing. When you would go watch the upper-level young kids play, how good they are and how talented they are and the things that they could do on a baseball field that you were used to seeing big leaguers do, that was the thing that always stuck out to me was just the, the difference in the talent level. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, obviously, I, myself, I lived on campus at IMG with, with them. So I kind of got to see them on the field, but I got to see what they did off the field. So for me, it was the ability to see how far behind our players in Australia are off the field-wise, strength and conditioning-wise, nutrition-wise, um, the ability to, to study the game and to watch film and all the different things that they were doing. I mean, we went into the weight room at IMG after – a full day's activities and these guys had strength and conditioning programs from their coaches in their hometowns um, that they would then go, go and do to be ready for the next day. Well, we're in a position where we do have the high performance managers that run each state, but they're maybe practicing twice a week, two, two or three times a week. And unless you're the, the top, the top kind of guys that are getting structured programs written for them, that's all the ex- exposure that they're getting. Um, I would say the strength and conditioning side of things blew me away for that age group, um, getting, getting them to now understand what it takes off the field to be ready to perform on the field is probably the biggest takeaway that I took away from working at USA, seeing the guys in the case, the different body, the different body types and athleticism compared to the 18 new guys filtered down and then taking that back to over here. Um, that's probably my, my biggest, my biggest influence now to our athletes is, the off the field um, priorities and the academic side of things and how important it is for us scholarship wise to get to the U S yeah, that was, I was fortunate enough to play in the Cape, um, put really good numbers up. Um, so was able to go up there talent wise, wasn't the same as those guys performance wise on the field in college. Yes. But, uh, projecting out to what I was going to look like when I was 25, those guys were going to be in the big leagues and, um, you know, I tell people that all the time. I wasn't very good because when you look at the amount of guys that made it to the big leagues or even got a chance out of that summer, um, but then coached up there too. And that was so much fun to, to coach up there for two summers because you are coaching big leaguers and, um, and right. you know, coaching against big leaguers. And it, it gives you a, a much better understanding of what it's supposed to look like uh, when you get into those settings and, and look at some of those players, because it does open your eyes. And like, okay, this is what they actually look like, the guys that are going to make it. Yeah, and I think you touched on it a little bit, is, is the word projection. Um, I, think, I think obviously it gets thrown a lot around in baseball terms, but I think being back in Australia now, we like I touched on of them not having the exposure or the training time or I guess the influence of being in a structured program, I mean, we're bringing guys into camp on Saturday that at 16 and 90 mile an hour arms who play catch twice a week and they don't know any difference, right? So from a projection standpoint and then getting into college programs, as a college coach, I couldn't think of anything better than somebody who has the raw talent who hasn't been coached but is already at that level. So I think our, our kids look at the American kids and they see the negatives in not being as good as them. But I think it is a, a huge positive for our kids that we have guys that are 85, 90 miles an hour on the mound and aren't long tossing and haven't lifted a weight in their life yet. So from a projection standpoint, going back to that, um, our guys project just as good as guys in the U.S. They just haven't had a structured program or a we don't even have high school baseball. So we don't even we don't even have a high school program for them to work out with a coach that that is there every day with them. So um yeah if talking about projection i would put our guys up against anybody is there talk i know you start at 16u is there talk of going any lower than that to maybe try to help with the learning curve portion of that 
Yeah, that's that's what that's part of me me coming back and trying to filter in. I've I've started going into schools and started doing um, presentations with with local clubs at a lower level. Um, I think the big thing here is as a, as a sophomore, you get to pick your um, school classes for your junior and senior year. You get to pick what's called electives. Um, we have a lot of uh, talented players that to be eligible to go straight to the NCAA, you have to take certain classes. Well, in previously, they haven't known this. So we have guys that are now seniors that, I mean, we have guys that are at a high level that could transfer to a Division One program after their graduation. But because they've taken the wrong class, they're not qual- qualifiers. Look- it happens in the states a yeah, little bit still qualifiers. too. Yeah, they're just not qualifiers. So, so I've started conversations now and presentations at that little league and at that little league age group, just so they're aware of the classes they need to take as they filter through their high school years, so that we're lined up, ready to go. Um, if their baseball talent's there, that we're ready to send them to, to NCAA schools out of high school as well. You know, currently you have 100 athletes playing in college, 30 playing professionally. You got three big league coaches, Angels, Phillies, and Tigers. What type of feedback are you getting from those guys um, that's maybe helping the national development program? Yeah, we've actually had some really good input lately. Um, the pitching coach for our 18U team uh, later in the year at the World Cup in Florida is actually Tyler Anderson. Um, he was a minor league pitching coach with the Angels, um, who's now now crossover to the Phillies. Um, so just, just obviously conference calling him recently in the last couple of weeks and putting together programs for the guys that make the next, make the next cut, but also for the guys that miss out, but uh, maybe a first year kid or maybe guys that are good enough to play college, just getting them on structured programs with conversations with him now is the next step for our development. Um, I mean, these guys, the guys that we're having conversations with that are in our top 60 don't, don't know how to reverse lunge or don't know how to deadlift or don't know what, what a throwing program is or how to, how to on, on ramp or how to take but that. Hey, that's it. exciting. You touched on that for me. I, I loved it. It's not much different than an upper Midwest kid that played a bunch of sports growing up that I was excited about getting kids like that because you knew they may struggle in the beginning, but you knew when they were juniors and seniors, they were going to be as good as anybody else that, that was playing in the country. Yeah, absolutely. And you see it all the time, guys from cold weather states over there that end up on, on raw talent and ability at an SEC school or a Big Ten school or whatever it is. And they perform and, and they grow and develop in those three or four years. And then all of a sudden they're in the big leagues and they've, they've only really come on in the last four years. So I would say we're probably exactly the same in that we probably don't reach our level. I would say if as, as a 20-year-old Australian athlete, we're probably at the same level as an 18-year-old with the reps that they've had. So um, getting them into a junior college program at, at 18, man, you're going to reap the benefits of that as a coach because you're going to get to see them develop beyond measures, probably um, with a higher ceiling than kids who are already there in, in the U.S. You've re- recently partnered with ABCA, with Driveline, with Blast. Uh, how have those partnerships gone so far for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. That was that was a huge huge coup for us to be able to to get those partnerships. Um, obviously, having no technology in the country prior to that, um, being able to partner with them, obviously Driveline being being a, a huge influence with us and getting the guys on structured weighted ball throwing programs and things like that. Um, but also the ability to to get all of them onto track um, and be able to get their programs on there and have them at their fingertips instead of their um, yes, yeah, state state coaches or whatever it may be doing their best who may not have a strength and conditioning background, say for example. Um, now we can kind of outsource that and get it all onto track and they can they can really um, go at it themselves. So um, the driveline one obviously for us was huge. Um, and then the, the blast sensors, obviously now each kid that makes it into our national program is receiving the blast sensors and we've put all our coaches through the learning and understanding of how it uses and how to use it as a resource and a tool. So they're I think my biggest takeaway from using the bat sensors at USA Baseball was just the understanding that the coaches had and how they used it to, to just in the conversations and language that they have in, in changing a swing or, or just missing pitches, et cetera. 
Um, so I think it's all good and well to have all the technology in the world, but if nobody knows how to understand it and really translate that to the kids, it's no use to us. You, so, tweet, you tweeted that um, out the other day, which I thought was was a great point. Um, it's fine to have all this stuff, but you still have to be able to, to whittle it down so the players can understand w- what it all means and how it's going to help them. Yeah, exactly. And you and you know better than anybody from the coaching experiences, the communication that comes through, and, and whether it be with a hitter or a pitcher, how you relay that message of, of development is the biggest key in understanding. If you're, to, if you're trying to teach a kid something and you don't know how to communicate it or you don't understand what the tool is trying to teach you, you've got no chance of getting through to these kids. So um, that, that was our biggest takeaway. And I guess from coming home, the, the first step was to be able to teach the coaches and put them through the learning. Um, obviously, the driveline courses have been huge in that, partnering with them and getting our coaches through the driveline courses, that now they're really able to relay the message, but in an understandable way for Australian kids who don't may not understand the terminology that minor leaguers from Australia have picked up over there. So to be able to come back and relay that message to our younger kids um, is going to just provide us with benefits down the road. Yeah, we got Driveline Plus. My last two years coaching at Western, we, uh, we bought Driveline Plus, and that helped because I was – a little bit behind on some of the exercises that we had started to dabble a little bit. And I'm like, Hey, if we're going to go all in on this, I need to know. And our coaches need to know what is going on and how to teach it. And, and so we went through, I was going through it with them. So all the exercises, everything, I was physically going through it with them because I was trying to learn. And that's how I learned. I needed to, I still need to go through it myself before I can try to teach anybody else. And so that's how I learned. So it was fun for me because I was learning some new things and going through it with them at the same time. And it was good from a communication standpoint with our players too, because there were some things they liked, there were some things that they don't didn't like. And so we were trying to tailor it to each individual kid what they felt like was going to help them because there is a lot. And uh, again, you've got to try to whittle that, that stuff down to, to let them pick and choose. And so you do have to know it, but that's good that you guys are going through all of it because I think you're going to see some huge benefits with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think obviously the driveline course has been huge because we've been able to purchase Rapsodo units and, and utilize them again, putting coaches through the pitch design course or whatever it may be. Now with the Rapsodo units, obviously it's become, um, I guess just the norm now, obviously speaking with college coaches, the first thing they ask for is, oh, the video looks good. Can you send me a, a report? Can you send me a data report? So um, I think obviously I picked that up when I was with USA Baseball of how to interpret the data and how to relay that. Um, but for our coaches to understand that in a bullpen setting or, or going through a bullpen the day after that they've thrown it or things like that, um, obviously that is a huge benefit. I think the other part of it is, some, some hitters don't like bat sensors. They don't like the feeling of it, right? So so for us, with, for our coaches, it's about, hey, you might this might feel uncomfortable for you, and I, don't, I know you don't like using the bat sensor, but this is a benefit that we can get off it by getting these metrics off it to then go through what we need to change with your swing. So then the athlete kind of takes a step back and says, oh, I'm not just wearing a sensor for no reason, and I just have this uncomfortable thing on the end of my bat. So... Um, yeah, the the the, the rap soda, the driveline, and the blast senses are, are going to be huge in our development moving forward and helping these coaches get better. How's the prep work going for the last chance qualifier? Yeah, they're they're um, currently going through it at the moment. Obviously, Dave Nielsen's the head coach of that, um, and and he's on on our staff, who who was a big leader in, in his own right and all, and an all star. So um, he he's getting those guys together at the moment. Obviously, we're in. Um, a difficult spot in that some players from Australia got stuck in the U.S. during COVID. Some of them came back to Australia to play in the Australian Baseball League. Some of them are in Asia. Um, so he has a really difficult task in that he has to get guys from all over the world together that are available and healthy um, to try and win however many games it is in a short amount, short amount um, of time. There is no real training sessions or team chemistry that he can do in the lead-in weeks it's just kind of hey we're going to show up you guys know each other from the last time you were on the national team together let's go win the full games in the next three days and try and make the olympics so um it's a tough job but they're um they're going through through the motions at the moment obviously a lot of them are getting ready for spring training or already over there 
Um, and then he'll he'll name that roster later this year, ready for that qualifier in Taiwan. When is the 18U World Cup in Florida? Yeah, uh, later this year in September. So you've got some time before that. So those yeah, 60 kids, yeah, are, you're getting time. ready to start that right now, right? Yeah, this Saturday we go into camp. Um, we've got 60 kids down there for a week. Um, after that, obviously, we'll then, we'll then cut it down to probably 40. And then two weeks out from the World Cup, we'll, we'll go into another camp and we'll take our top, top 22, top 24 kids to the World Cup in, in Florida. Um, and yeah, obviously with, with the success that we had at the last World Cup, um, we finished fourth. We took the U.S. to extra innings, lost the 2-1 to go into the gold medal game. And then we, we lost to Korea 6-5 in the bronze medal game. So, um, the, the, the talent level You're there, right there. Um, yeah, exactly right. And I think, Obviously, I think it's a testament to the development that we're getting to and that we were able to finish fourth in the world with an underpopulated, underfunded country. So now with the advancements that we've been able to make and, and I guess the, the hype that baseball is, is creating, um, obviously Liam Hendricks signing for, for the money that he did was obviously huge in that as well. Um, but now we're able to, we think, take the next step um, to be able to compete with the powerhouses and the Japan and the U.S. of the, of the world. Um, even though we do, don't have the population size that they do. It's an exciting time for that because it is there's, there's a lot of upside with all of it. Hey, the Dropbox program that you've started, I think this is phenomenal. Um, talk about that, but then also how coaches can get a hold of you to get a look at the Dropbox information. Yeah, I guess this was kind of um, when I came back, I think I had to get away from sending emails and emails and emails to dozens of coaches. Um, I guess my, my solution to that and my thinking to that is off the back of this camp with these 60 athletes, I'm going to have a Dropbox set up um, of, of each of their video footage plus, plus their data reports. So um, to be able to send out that Dropbox link and give each college coach the ability to, to flick through what positional needs they may have for the next upcoming year, um, they're starting their recruitment. Um, obviously, that, that Dropbox link is the best guys they have seen. So for us, um, my, my, my thought process is to have a Dropbox, let the coaches go through it and then they can, they can pick and choose the guys that they like. Um, obviously it's hard not seeing them in person or at a showcase or something like that. So it is a lot of, um, it is a lot from video footage and, and personal references. Um, obviously you touched on Josh Spence being in the big leagues and having a su- successful college career. Um, the contacts he's been able to build up, it's, I guess it's, it's now vouching for these guys off the field. Um, but also the talent level that they have on the field to say, hey, they could really play. It's just not a video. Um, so that Dropbox will be set up. Those kids' videos will be in that Dropbox. Um, and, and that link is, is a free-for-all for, for any college coaches over there um, that, that may be looking for, for an impact player 2022-2023. Um, they'll, be, they'll be ready to go. And, yeah, like you said, getting in contact. Um, my, my email address, obviously I can, I can share with you and, and we can, we can obviously share that. Um, I, my, my Twitter obviously as well. Um, so I guess that Twitter and email are probably the two contacts that I'll send through to you to be able to, to access that. Um, and we can kind of, kind of go from there with any coaches that may want to, want to see what we've got out here. Yeah. And Twitter is at Andrew Riddle, uh, 26. So it's A N D R E W I R R I D D E L L 26. So the number 26, so Andrew Riddle 26 is, is the Twitter. Um, I, I think yep. it's phenomenal. It's a good place to start. And I mean, honestly, all all players that are trying to play collegially now are kind of in the same boat um, at the higher levels because coaches haven't been able to go and see people face-to-face. So everybody's doing it off video. They're doing it off metrics right now. They're doing it off the data. So everybody's kind of in the same boat. And um, I think with technology now, it brings the world a lot closer because – you can get a decent handle on at least what somebody looks like. Here's their numbers. And then it is just like it's always been. If you know somebody that knows somebody that can vouch for the kid's work ethic, you know, his makeup, um, if you have people that you trust out there that can give you a little bit of the intel on what the kid is actually like, uh, and then they go and have some success, it makes it that much better for the next person that's going through the process as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think 
um, coming home and being able to, to work with these kids. I mean, they know straight up because I've told them, I'm not going to vouch for you if you're not going to work hard. So I think, I think the contacts that I've been able to build so far and the contacts that I'm going to build in the future, my being able to keep a good reputation with them and not send them guys who are going to underperform or not work hard, that's all part of the process as well. I don't want to be sending kids off that are going to wreck the reputation that we build with them. Um, but in, in saying that, our kids also understand Hey, if I don't work hard and and I don't and I don't really do the right thing off the field, my, whether it's myself or or other references out in Australia, we're not going to vouch for these kids because it's a long way to go to get sent back home. So they they understand that, um, and I think that's obviously bringing this sixth into camp. They're, they're the first time that we've done this national junior squad process, um, and they they really have the understanding of I'm going into camp to. A, build relationships with the coaching staff, but B, I'm there to prove a point that I can, that you can put your name to me to college coaches in the U.S. You know, running a national development program is a huge undertaking because it's never really been done before. So what are some of the other resources that you're leaning on to try to help streamline everything? Yeah, I think obviously the, the coaches and the partnerships we've been able to build is, is huge for that. Um, I think the professional scouts that we, the professional scouting community that we have in Australia, um, that we also rely on for communication and contact bases is huge as well. Um, we, we just, just recently had two guys sign for, for some big figures, um, with, with the Cardinals and the Pirates. So, Hey, were they playing in the Australian baseball league? Uh, they will. Um, both of them were actually 15 year olds that we took away to the 18 U World Cup. Um, they were the two youngest kids. At, is at that the where World they Cup. saw them? Is that where they saw them at? Correct. So it wasn't a yeah, tryout so, setting. So, um, yeah, I was going to ask that, like how that process worked for those free agents. So they saw them actually playing games because in the Dominican, in those areas, they sign kids without even watching them play. Sometimes it's off a, like a showcase, and they're signing them, which for me seems like okay. I, I if I'm going to invest this type of money, I need to actually watch somebody play a game. Yeah, exactly right. And um, I'd probably say we're at, with, with COVID, it's been reduced, but I'd probably say we're at 15 to 20 professional clubs that have somebody in Australia, um, whether they're full-time guys or just guys that go out and watch people play to report back to them. Um, the, the Cardinals being the big one that didn't have a scout out here, they saw our young catcher, Jake Burns, at the World Cup as a 15-year-old. Um, straight away, obviously, they fell in love and, and took him straight to the Dominican to play against um, other kids his age he obviously performed there again and ended up for signing nearly for half a million dollars so um, that that was obviously a big coup for us the Pittsburgh Pirates saw our other young talented players Solomon McGuire. McGuire. Um, they do have a, a scout out here um, an international rim scout for the Pirates that lives in Australia so he's seen him grow up but then he performed at the World Cup again also um, and he signed for even more money than that and ended up actually they traded Starling Marte to get international money to sign him. So that was the level that they felt that he was at. They traded their big league center fielder to get him. Um, so those two guys are probably the, the two biggest ones I would say as 15 year olds. Yeah. They were three years younger than some kids that were at the 18 U world cup. So for them to be able to go there and compete, um, told, told us a lot for our development programs, but also said a lot for the talent level that we have also. So what's the difference? Is is that a better route financially then than maybe what Test Cricket has or Australian Reels football? Because I don't know much about those sports and how much those players are making. What what's the is is there similarities to that? Um the sports out here don't make don't make anywhere near as much money as the pro sports in the U.S. Okay, so I, again, those are talking points too. Like the the mm -hmm. the risk reward factor is much higher coming to the states if you can make it. The rewards are much higher. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Liam Hendricks signed his contract and is now top five in the country for for sportsmen, um, and that's just from being in, in the U.S. In, in, the, in a sport that has more money than any of our sports do probably combined. So um, cricket cricket and rugby and, and those kind of sports, um, the big money guys are, are on maybe 800 to 800,000 to a million a year. Um, when you compare that with, with the big leaguers in the U.S. who are getting 30, 35 million, um, it's no comparison. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely a big advantage. Um, 
for, for our kids too. If, if the finances play into it, it's definitely a, a huge cue to get over to the U.S. Do you have a fail forward moment? Do you have something along the way that you thought was going to sidetrack you and looking back now was one of the best things that ever happened to you? Um, yeah, probably not not wanting to put my name forward for the internship with USA Baseball because I thought I had no chance of the, of the 10,000 applicants that probably went for it. Um, now looking back and, and, and putting that, putting that in and the context and relationships I was able to build off that, but also the experiences I was able to um, have. Um, Hey, how, how, how'd you decide? I mean, you, you know, there's probably slim to none chance that you're going to get it. Was it just, okay, I'm just going to throw it in just to see if, if I get it. Yeah. I, I had slim to none chance of getting picked up off a YouTube video to get to the U S in the first place. So for me, it was just a whole, a whole, um, I love the whole betting on yourself storyline to everything that you've done i love the fact that you you were willing to just bet on yourself and okay i'm gonna i'm gonna try yeah and i think um yeah probably getting to the u.s and being able to get a scholarship out out of of a youtube clip was probably a big turning point for me to probably believe in myself a little bit more so when it got to hey i need to do an internship from i need to do an internship for school my goal was to be a general manager in a front office um, that's, that's my goal. So for me being able to do an internship, my next step was how do I reach my goal? Um, and, and I felt like that was the best opportunity to get involved in the player development side of things with, with USA baseball. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I wrote, I wrote the email. Um, I, I sent off the application. I then went and called the call, called the people that were, were going through, through the process. Um, and I guess from, from the interview process, they kind of saw my experiences of coming from Australia to the U S and, um, the different demographic that I, and, and route that I had taken. Um, so that was, that was obviously appealing to them. Um, and I think we have a lot more to lose once we get over there. So the, I think Australians, when they get over there and they step off the plane, they're away from mom and dad at 18 years old and they got a lot more to lose because if you do the wrong thing off the field or you don't perform on the field, Mum and dad are paying for everything because they're, they're not, we're not able to get a job as international students. So there's a, there's a whole lot more to lose with being in a collegiate baseball program in the U.S. And even for myself, um, getting my master's at that time, I had a, I had a lot to lose as well. Um, hey, and, from, and from, a cult- from a cultural standpoint, when you first got here, what were some of the hurdles for you culturally? Oh, I grew up in a city of 5 million in Sydney, Australia, and I got off the plane in Dodge City, Kansas, and there was 30,000 people at the home of the Wild West on the front of the airport. Um, I showed up on campus, and my dorm room looked like a jail cell, um, and my mom and dad actually came over with me, and I looked at my parents and said, I'm getting back on the plane. That was, that was my quote to them. Um, was, I didn't want to stay, and thankfully, after the last eight years, my mother kind of said, give it a month and see how you go. Um, and then you build the bonds and relationships with the boys in the locker room and the baseball team. Um, so you, you grow to love it. But that was the biggest It's a great shot. talking point um, for anybody. Every freshman on every college campus, wherever they're at, is going to have that, did I make the right choice? You know, as soon as the dorm room shuts everybody goes through that and a lot of times now people pull the plug way too soon instead of trying to ride it out a little bit and see how it goes because if you're resilient you're going to make it work you're going to make the situation work and you're going to be better for it uh those are kind of habit building things okay you've worked through it now the next time you have to work through something becomes a little bit easier where if you pull the plug on it too soon the next time it gets hard, you're going to pull the plug on it because that's going to be your default now is pulling on the plug on it before you stick it out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think going through the process from on the other side of the world, I obviously wasn't able to go on a campus visit. I wasn't able to meet these coaches. Um, so my recruiting, my recruiting process in Australia was really just from phone calls with pitching coaches and my decision came down to I had a better connection with the pitching coach at Dodge City and the head coach, Phil Stevenson, obviously is, is a college legend and was the big leaguer. Um, so for me, that was my decision. So then when I got to the step of going from a junior college to a university, I reverted back to that. I had offers to Division One programs that I went on college visits to, but I didn't feel like I connected with those pitching coaches or, or that coaching staff. So 
for me, I chose to go to a Division Two in Nebraska because the head coach there, Damon Day, and the pitching coach at that time, Marcus Clapp, I felt like I really connected with. So now being able to be a voice in the ear of these guys in Australia to say, hey, it's not always about the name and it's not always about the winning, the win-loss record. It's about going to a program that you're going to develop and going to a place where you can trust the coaching staff. That's the biggest takeaway that I can give back to these kids now that I'm back at home. Um, that will help them in the long run when they have to go through the same process of choosing a university at the next level too. Do you have any morning or evening routines that you like that you feel like help you stay on top of your schedule? A bit of a, at the moment, I think at the moment with college conversations with college coaches, I'm a bit of a night out because at the moment, like it's 11 o'clock at night at the moment. I know. And um, I love, I love it that you're, you're sacrificing. Like, that's awesome that you're willing to sacrifice, um, that for the players that you're trying to get to, you know, allow them to be yeah, successful. I love it. Yeah. And even, I mean, tomorrow night I have a call at midnight with Dan Jack for one of our best players to be able to go there as a 2022 recruit. Um, so that's, that's obviously another call that I'll go on tomorrow night. So my routines are probably all over the place at the moment, staying up so late. And then we, we go into camp on, on Saturday and then we got to be at the field every morning at 8am again. So, um, my, I'm sure my body clock will enjoy that and getting back to that routine. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I think I enjoy just sometimes stepping away a little bit and just being, being by myself and going through my thought process too. Um, obviously be, being in, in this role and, and managing, I guess, the development side of things, you're, you're speaking with college coaches as much as you can to help kids get recruited. But now I'm also focused on little league, 15U, 18U age group, because now I have to get them A, ready for their academics set up, but B, we have to start getting them ready on the field for them to understand what it takes to get to the next level. So sometimes it is good to, to step away. Um, and, and have, have some time to myself. But, um, yeah, that's where I'm at the moment with the, with the crazy schedule of, of staying up staying up all night. How are you keeping all the players – I mean, how are you keeping track of everything, you know, and how are you disseminating information between all the coaches and, and all the, you know, the, the players that have a decision-making process? How are you streamlining all the players for everyone? Yeah, um, I think, obviously, starting late last year, I kind of got the, the late back end of the 2021 recruiting cycle. So it was probably a little bit less than what it is going to be in the future. Um, and now, uh, like I touched on in conversations starting t- tomorrow night, now we're, we've moved on to the 2022 age group. So now it is, it is new for me also, um, juggling those responsibilities and being able to have those communications with college coaches while also managing an upcoming camp or, or the 18 U um, age bracket. So it's, it's, it's going to be a new thing for me too this year, um, de- dealing with, with different avenues, but you're a field um, coordinator, by the way, you're a, you're a major league baseball field coordinator is what you're doing right now. I'm, I'm doing my best. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, Hopefully one day we'll, we'll get to some kind of level like that. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll stick with doing it at a, I guess, I guess I got thrown in the deep end a little bit. I graduated college, came home and got thrown straight into dealing with the whole country instead of just one club. So um, it is, it is a lot of conversations with the high performance managers who do a great job with their own state-based programs um, and then getting feedback from them to, to then be able to take the, the, the topper, the better players that they have that can play collegiately, then working with them individually. Um, I guess I, I'm kind of set in, in one state at the moment, so I probably don't see it on a grassroots level, the kind of work that they're putting in with their programs. Um, I see the refined version at a national level. Um, so it is a lot of communication and, and conversations with those coaches around, hey, what are you doing to get these players to the 18U World Cup level as a 14-year-old? So um, a lot of onus and responsibility is on those guys. They do a great job of, of being able to filter them to the national level, and they have to take a lot of credit of it. They're the one that's gone through all these courses um, and, and are working at the grassroots level, like I said, changing swings and working with arms and things like that. Um, all that credit goes to them. I guess, I guess I'm here to try and oversee that and then help, help with the pathway of getting them to the next level. What are some final thoughts you have before I let you go? Final thoughts is I touched on it a little bit. Our, our goal is obviously a huge one, um, to win a gold medal in 2028 in LA. That's our goal. Um, that starts with the Olympic qualifiers coming up. Um, obviously qualifying for the upcoming Olympics would be huge for us as a country. 
Um, and then leading into LA, that, that's the next step. Um, from an 18U level, I mean, we're right there. We're the fourth place in the, in the last 18U World Cup. We don't have any reason that we can't compete for, for a medal um, at, at the upcoming World Cup. And that's where, these, that's where it starts with these 60 kids. Uh, we go into camp on Saturday, and off the back of that camp, I mean, we have probably 35 to 40 2022 guys that are going to be looking for programs. Um, obviously, two-year and four-year programs to be able to get their development set up because our big, our big focus at the moment is developing these guys because when we get to 2028, well, who are the guys that are going to be in the team for the Olympics? It's going to be this 18U age group right now that we need to, that we need to target and really focus on. Um, they've spent the last 12 months. They know that they're in that age group that we're going to lean on in 2028. So for us, this next recruiting cycle of 2022 and 2023 is huge. And I would put up, I would put our guys up against anybody in the U S from a talent perspective. They probably haven't had the reps that, that the guys have in the U S but, but man, you get them into a college program and, and give them a few reps and they're They're going to perform. Yeah. Love it. I appreciate it. Thanks for jumping on with me, Andrew. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it. Thanks to Andrew for jumping on with me. He has a huge undertaking, so I wish him the best with his opportunity to run the National Player Development Program. I wish him and Baseball Australia the best, unless they're playing the U.S. Thanks again to John Litchfield, Zach Hale, and Matt West and the ABCA office for all their help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownlee at abca.org, Twitter at CoachB underscore ABCA, Instagram at RyanBrownlee17, or direct message me via the MyABCA app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you. Oh